Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftoff, C70 the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, David Jones, iPop editor on the Twitters. It is Mother's Day, and as the man said, happy birthday to all the mothers out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. We are coming to you as the Cardinals are, uh, hopefully, putting the finishing touches on a sweep of the Boston Red Sox. They're up 9-1 to one in the eighth inning. And David, this this is what winning baseball's like. I mean, Cardinals win five of six since last we spoke, and um, I was starting to think that that just wasn't in their repertoire. And now we're starting to see the Cardinal team that I think we thought we would see earlier on in the year. I'm sorry, did you say the Cardinals are about to get swept by the Red Sox? But <laughs> no, no, that's where we were headed. I think. Yeah, this has been. Nice. This is what winning feels like. I mean, going through that stretch where it just felt like it was impossible to get a win and now watching this team and I'm like, this is, this is what the team we expected. Um, Still not the pitching that we were hoping Mm -hmm. for, but this is the offense we expected. And, you know, we're, we're assuming that a win is coming. We're four outs away from that as we record right now. And I was looking back at this week and I said, you know, the Cardinals, it, it looks like they'll end up 5-1 and one this week. Hopefully nothing catastrophic happens, but it looks like they'll end up 5-1. and one. Looking at these games, they easily could have gone 2-4 and four this week. And I don't say that – I'm not trying to be negative. Right, being like, right. well, they barely won. No, what I'm saying with that is they had many opportunities to lose these games. I think about Saturday's game, and when the Red Sox came back and tied it, I think of the team from two weeks ago would have folded right there and don't score another run. To mm. see this team come back in the ninth – on two different occasions on back-to-back days, they broke Kenley Jansen. Uh, <laughs> Contreras played a big role in that. But yeah, there is something different about this team. Right before we started recording, a friend of mine texted me and he said, did I miss like some players-only meeting that happened that sparked this team? And maybe it was the meeting that we heard about with a few players, but we see a rejuvenated Cardinals team and we see an offense that is rolling right now. Perhaps it's all based on Nolan Arenado getting hot, as Wainwright said, as you go, we go. But this is a brand new team, and it is a brand new season at this point. Yeah, I think that, you know, Nolan Arenado figuring things out is huge because you're right. This team is still not winning with pitching, um, even though they've only given up one run tonight. Um, they have won by, you know, bludgeoning the other team. Uh, into submission to some degree this week. And the, you know, Goldschmidt has been hitting, Contreras has been hitting, but, you know, Nolan in the middle of that has always been kind of a, you know, a governor on the offense. But when he's clicking, and there's no doubt that he seems to have figured something out this week, hitting home runs in every game in Boston, uh, plus one um, in uh, Chicago, I think, right? I mean, he hit one in Chicago. I Yeah. Yes. Or was it the Detroit series? I can't remember. He hit one recently. Um, so I think, big yeah. Big Mac land shot. It was the yeah. big Mac land shot. Yeah, yeah so it was Detroit. Um, so, uh, and he had, a, he had a pretty good series in, in Chicago. It, it feels like he's got that all, I don't want to say figured out because nobody figures out baseball, but, you know, as much as he's going to, he's got it a little bit more in line with the Nolan Arnold we see. So then, yeah, now this offense starts to click. And then you wonder you know, what does this look like going forward with Contreras sliding behind the plate again? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, overall, this has been 
I guess we appreciate this week much more because of the fact it's been so rare. Um, but it's been, it's been exciting to see. And it's just, you know, if it, it to the point now that we can say, I feel like when we were talking a couple weeks ago, everybody was talking about when they need to go get another picture and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that just feels like, you know, putting a bandaid on, you know, an amputated arm. Um, but now it kind of feels like, oh yeah, if they could go out and get a picture or two, they would be right back in this thing. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm sure of right now is that there are no babies being born in Boston being named Nolan this week, (laughs) because not only is Arenado just killing the ball, but Nolan Gorman's late inning heroics have just been incredible. I'm, we forget sometimes how young he is. Like this guy should be fresh out of college and to see him come up in the ninth inning twice and deliver just amazing. Both Nolans are absolutely killing it. You know, something I thought about this week, and I I don't know if we ever talked about this on on the show, but I remember talking to you about this back in spring training. I'm a little bit of an amateur baseball card collector. And, you know, I I like collecting the Cardinals. I like collecting rookie cards, first cards, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I mentioned to you that I noticed there had been a surge in the value of Nolan Gorman cards this offseason. And tops in their 2023 set they were including gorman in like their stars of mlb set where you only have 30 players in there and he was included in that and they were doing special inserts and what it really seemed like is that everybody around baseball thought this guy is headed to stardom except people in st louis (laughs) like it was you know trade him get a pitcher get a catcher and yet it looked seemed like people around mlb we're noticing something is going on with this guy. This guy's about to explode on the scene and we're finally seeing it. And I'm so glad he's a Cardinal. Um, I'm glad both Nolans are Cardinals uh, because now we are seeing what happens when this team hits the ball hard. Um, And, you know, Arenado, it seemed like he may have needed a couple bloops in a few series prior to get going, but now he is smoking the ball. I mean, hitting it over the green monster, hitting line drives, the bloops come here and there, but he's smoking it and he's not alone. I mean, Paul DeYoung, Andrew Kisner. I mean, they hit some rockets tonight. I mean, they crushed it guys that, you know, if you would have said two months ago that we'd be talking about them in the positive, it'd be like, you know, you guys are gotta be kidding me. Uh, But we're seeing some really good things from this team. And finally, finally, it is all clicking at the same time for the offense. Hopefully the pitching starts coming around too. Miles Michaelis has put together several good outings now. Steven Matz, you know, he looks really rough at the beginning of games. And then you look at his final line at the end and you're like, eh, it was okay. Hopefully yeah. he gets it going, but we're finally starting to see some, some momentum building here. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and it's not, I mean, there's some people that might think it's, you know, it's, a little late for that and maybe it is but it's not too late for this cardinals if i'm looking at the scan standings right uh even with a win tonight will still be the worst team in the national league um but only by a game game and a half um they will also be seven and a half out of the nl central title or nl central lead and four and a half out of the last wild card spot um you know obviously lots of teams between them but a lot of time as well. And in fact, Milwaukee comes to town um, starting tomorrow. So you win, if even if you win two out of three there, maybe you're starting to climb that ladder. It's amazing to think that as bad as this team has been, that they really, you know, 
playing they play in the right division um to not be completely buried yeah uh you you definitely said it. it's weird i had something in my notes and you basically just said exactly what i had written in my notes it's weird <laughs> thinking that this team has the worst record in the national league and they will after tonight they're nine games under 500 and yet only four and a half back. It's like, how how can all of those things be true this late in the season? I know it's still early, but we're not super early. And, you know, I, I've gotten to where I have to quit looking at their record because it still looks really ugly to be that far under 500. And I'm starting mm-hmm. just to look at the wild card standings. Uh, kind of, I know that's setting the bar a little bit lower, but for now I'm thinking, you know what? Let's just look at the playoff spot. Four and a half back, that's not that bad get back to 500 eventually, and then you can kind of keep moving after that. Um, but yeah, it, it, this team for as bad as they have played to still be in it and still be around. I mean, four and a half back is not that much. I know there's a lot of teams to jump, but like you said, Milwaukee's coming up. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they actually miss Burns and Woodruff. I think uh, they'll catch just... Burns on Wednesday. Okay. And then I guess Peralta pitches the first game and Miley is the second game. I got mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've got Milwaukee and the Dodgers. But then after that, they have 12 games where I think they're going to be favored in at least 10 of those 12 games. Uh, yeah. Very light schedule where you start seeing guys like you see like Cincinnati, Kansas City, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Uh, they have a chance to do some major damage and some climbing in the standings coming pretty soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to be interesting again you hate to overreact to one week too, right? I mean, I know this is more like what we expected to see of the Cardinals and it's more in line with the history of these players. Um, but again, just (laughs) because this team has tended to, you know, kick us a little bit when we don't expect it. Um, you worry that, okay, then now, you know, after sweeping Boston, they go in and, you know, like drop two of three to Milwaukee and you start feeling, a little bit depressed yet again. Hopefully that's not the case. And like I said, I think there's a lot of positive signs for this team. Um, but let's talk about the, the the controversy of the week, I guess, still. We talked about it last week because um, they had pulled Contreras out of the kitchen spot by the time we recorded last Sunday. Um, Contreras DHs all week. And now he is going to be catching tomorrow night against Jack with Jack Flaherty uh, against the Brewers. Now, here's the question: Did Wilson Contreras figure out how to catch in the last week? I mean, I'm being overly, I'm over exaggerating, but still. Or is it more the fact that they realize they've got to have Nolan Gorman in this lineup more regularly, and that means freeing up the DH spot? Uh, <laughs> I don't have a great answer. I, you know, I think the Gorman thing definitely plays into it. Um, you know, hopefully there's been some things going on behind the scenes. I know they talked a little bit today about his body language showed that he was ready to catch again. I don't quite know what that means. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, maybe I don't read body language well enough, but you know, I'm hoping that behind the scenes, he's been having meetings and one-on-one meetings with pitchers and finding out what they like to pitch and what they like, what they like to throw in certain situations and things like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And we frankly don't need to know about. So hopefully there has been some growth there. We'll see what happens. Um, truth be told, 
uh, if Jack Flaherty goes out and gives up 10 runs, we're not going to know any different between Kisner or Contreras in that mm-hmm. role. Um, mm-hmm. If Flaherty goes seven innings and gives up one hit, we might be like, okay, they finally figured something mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But you know, this is one of those issues that, you know, people are still talking about it. It's still making national headlines. I, I know, again, I'm going to sound like a mouthpiece for the organization, but since that all happened, this team has been on fire. Now, is that correlation? Is that causation? We don't know. But something has happened that has sparked this team. I don't know if it was some of those meetings that they had that kind of drew the clubhouse together. Uh, maybe it's been Wayno being back in the dugout and his leadership. Maybe it's been putting Newt in the leadoff spot and him being healthy and finally hitting. Maybe it's been the outfield finally getting some consistency. Maybe it is Kisner actually being behind the plate. I, I don't know what it is. But something has sparked this team, and they are playing better than they have all season. Now, whether that has to do with Contreras directly, I don't know. He's hitting the ball well, but so is Kisner. So maybe having both of them in the lineup has actually benefited the Cardinals. Um, The whole thing's been a mess, but it's one of those messes that could have really derailed this team even more than they already were. But instead, I think maybe they're actually using this to grow from it, and we're seeing the benefits. Yeah, I... You also wonder if it was because I think if I saw some stuff floating around earlier this week and that I don't definitely didn't take into account this weekend, but that the pitching staff numbers have actually over the last week or so been worse than, than they were, you know, that, you know, some of the, some of the metrics. Um, And so it was the idea that it wasn't necessarily, you know, Kisner's familiarity that was helping this run Um, because yeah, it's, it's, like we said, been kind of fueled by the offense. Um, but I don't know. It, and it may have been just as much as look, they, they kind of came together and said, look guys, we're making, we're making our new catcher look bad. Um, let's, let's win some ball games and let people stop focusing on him for a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's interesting to see. I think we, there's a quote floating around there. I think, um, from a post-dispatch article that says that, um, Contreras basically indicates that he didn't necessarily feel like he needed to make any changes in his preparation and stuff like that. So if they're putting him back behind the, the dish, it kind of seems like it's less about that and more about other things. I, I don't know. This has been such a weird situation that it's really hard to make any kind of heads or tails sense out of it. Yeah. And you know, things come out every once in a while that you hear and it's kind of like a, Oh, light bulb moment or a wow. Didn't know that. I I heard Brad Thompson talking on the radio and he talked about some things that I had really never heard, but he said, preparation wise, he said that uh, Kisner is basically light years ahead of Contreras where he is right now. Kisner being a disciple of Yachty, he's in the Mm -hmm. video room, constantly putting in the work. He's going above and beyond what a normal catcher would do in his video preparation. He said, Contreras just isn't there yet. Uh, that may be something that comes along as he grows and gets to know these pitchers better. But he said, as far as prep time went, Kisner was way ahead of Contreras on this. And that may be part of the comfort level for the pitching staff there. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but as I mentioned last week, if this team continues to win, uh, these whispers get a little bit quieter and quieter. Uh, it, it may not be a great look and it may not be a great look for the rest of the season, but you know, the quote, the late great Joe Strauss, just win, baby. Uh, you know, winning cures a lot of evils and a lot of problems. Yes, yes, it does. People people get a little bit less frustrated when that happens. Um, 
Yeah, I was looking at Kisner's numbers for the month, not counting tonight where he hit another home run. Uh, he was hitting 233, but uh, that would have been his second home run of the month, four doubles. So when he has hit the ball, it's been pretty potent. Um, but the work that he's doing behind the, the, uh, the dish would seem to be more uh, in line with why he's playing. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this works and you know how often do they mix this in um and could they have done this in a less dramatic way you know could they have just like kissed her just say hey we're working on some things with Contreras. he'll be back behind the dish but we're going to dh for a few days you know i don't I, I think if they do that we don't really talk about it much right they're just like okay you know that's that's fine um because the fact that it you know just basically a week later he's back behind the dish um seems to be like oh we spent a whole lot of time talking about something that really didn't matter yeah i think you you nailed it with that because this has been a lesson in how not to do leadership Mm -hmm. um just the optics on this were so terrible because you had people saying one thing and then someone else saying another thing and then someone coming back and contradicting what they already said and then somebody walking back what they already said nobody was on the same page with this um, you know, calling up a catcher and not telling your current catcher that you've called up that catcher. Just there's a lot of things that went on with this that, that were just handled poorly that they could have done a lot better. And I think, like you said, if this would have been more of a kind of, yeah, we're we're working on some things, you know, don't worry about it, which, you know, media is still going to jump on that, especially during a losing streak. You don't have as much to have to come back to later on. But they made this situation worse by the more they talked and the things that they said. And now it's kind of put them in a hole and made them look a little bit rough. Um, But I think things that have helped, I think Contreras coming out after all this in Chicago and hitting the ball hard helped a lot. I think his whole uh, calling the booze down from the Chicago (laughs) crowd, I think his teammates rallied around that. I think they'd love that. You know, I'll say this about Contreras too. He is annoying. And I say that and I love it. It, (laughs) Watching what he did against Jansen, it was so annoying if you're not a Cardinals fan. If I'm a Boston fan, I'm hoping that somebody puts one in his ribs for what he was doing with the pitch (laughs) clock and manipulating it and the showmanship going on. Mm -hmm. But when he's on your team, you absolutely love that stuff because he's a competitor and he's finding a way to get under the skin of your opponents. When you do stuff like that and it works, you get your teammates rallying around you. You endear yourself to your teammates. And when I was watching him do that stuff, I thought, you know, I get what Mo said when he said that I didn't like the guy when he played for another team, uh, but this is a guy you want on your team. And so I'm watching him do that. And I thought, you know, he may not hit well in this series, but if he's firing up his teammates this way, if he's, he found a way to draw a walk by only getting two balls. I mean, (laughs) come on, that's just nuts. A guy that can do that, he can rally his teammates around him. And it sounds like what we've heard from Adam Wainwright and some others, that they really have rallied around him and have come around him. Um, It sounds like the team, the teammates, have handled this a whole lot better than leadership has. I think the teammates have really brought him up and made him feel loved and accepted. I think leadership needs to do a little bit better job with their communication and their PR because, yeah, that was really ugly. It's a bit like the 1970 A's where they won in spite of Chuck Finley instead of because of him, you know, everybody, everybody hated the ownership. So they, you know, played better. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that it's just really, really strange. And I will say I, um, 
apparently am not as first in all this pitch clock stuff because I rewatched like the condensed game last night to because I've seen the clips and stuff and I'm still not 100% sure how you know you know he's he's not I don't know it's just weird right I mean the guy's going to first base when there's still eight minutes on the clock and I'm like how does this work so um but you know it speeds up the game and that's and apparently it's just another um psychological warfare option option so um which is what they need because i mean the idea of this team beating kinley jansen two days in a row uh is pretty remarkable i mean you know like you said they would have laid down a week or two ago especially that game the first game you know what they go back and forth and um, and then take, you know, lose the lead late. It was just like, well, here we go again. Um, but for them to, to put it together, I, I like this version. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take this over the other. Um, John Denton had a good piece where he actually had some quotes from Kenley Jansen that he basically admitted that Contreras messed him up and threw him <laughs> off his rhythm with what he was doing. But, you know, you don't want to give that to the other team. Maybe it's because you won't see the Cardinals again, but I thought, right. yeah, good luck. The Yankees are going to be doing that every game now to you. Um, but yeah, the pitch clock thing, the, the only way I know how to explain it is that I don't know how to explain it. Mm. Uh, you know, I think I have a good grasp on it. And then I see some of the craziness that goes on. I mean, even in tonight's game, there was some stuff that I thought, like with Cabrera, I, I don't know what was happening. He stepped off, didn't the clock didn't reset. Kisner was asking for it. You know, I don't know what's happening. Um, I understand the whole Contreras thing, but then like Newt, something similar happened later. I, I don't know. Um, it's one of those things that you know, it's almost kind of like in football. What is a catch? No one's yeah. quite sure really what's going on, and um, they got some things to iron out. But you know what? As long as it's working in our favor, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, it hasn't always been that way, but you know, it, it feels like things are finally falling towards the Cardinals way right now. Um, the pitch clock thing tonight, the home run that got overturned, that was a foul mm. ball. Uh, it, it feels like if that ball's hit two weeks ago, it's six inches more to the other side and hits the foul pole. And suddenly a six, three game becomes within reach or the, uh, or it doesn't get reviewed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as long as they can start actually calling Wainwright strikes as strikes, I feel like things have been <laughs> ironed out. Um, but until that point, who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, starting to see th- some things fall in the Cardinals' favor. And whether that's pitch clock or errors or who knows what, we'll take it. Wins are wins. So, again, the pitching staff is still an issue. We saw, like you said, Miles Michaels pitched a great game tonight. He also didn't strike anybody out, and that's not exactly the best recipe of, for things. I mean, it'll work, obviously, occasionally, but not on the regular. Um, we've seen, like you said, Stephen Matz have trouble get started in an inning, which may be the best indication of keeping him in the rotation because you don't want him to have that kind of problem when he's a reliever. Um, and we've seen Jack Flaherty just continue to get blasted to some degree. Um I say that knowing that I don't really understand pitching um, <laughs> according to Mr. Flaherty, but still um, what's it going to take for a call up of Matthew Liebertor? I mean, cause that seems to be the easiest way to supplement this rotation, right? Yeah. I, you know, I thought it would have happened by now. I was for sure it would have happened by now. I, I think I'm guessing Bats is the one that's the iffy one. And I I think as long as he keeps throwing 
mediocre games that mm-hmm. he's going to stay in the rotation. So to answer your question, I think it's going to take an injury to get Libertor up. Uh, I, and I said, you know, Matt's has not been terrible. His last three starts, he's been okay. And if you, mm-hmm. if you go back three starts ago, um, he gave up four runs in the first inning. And after that was great. He struggles just coming out of the gate. That's like his issue. Just his first inning, he's terrible. And then it's like he gets locked in and looks okay. But yeah, right now he looks like a number five pitcher. Um, Unfortunately, it looks like the Cardinals have a bunch of number five pitchers at this point. And something, something has to happen because they can start climbing back with this offense, but they can't go very far with this pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really don't have an ace. Uh, Montgomery sometimes looks like the guy, but other times he looks like he's a three or a four. Flaherty has not shown us anything. Uh, Wainwright is, we know what we have with Wainwright. Um, he's kind of been unlucky in his two starts, but we know we're not getting vintage Wainwright. Michaelis looks okay, but yeah, uh, this team is, they're lacking somebody to come in and strike people out, shut people down and someone that can get out of the first inning and under 15 pitches for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah. That would always seem to be set a, a nice tone that uh, you don't always have, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, I, you're probably right. I mean, because it's obvious that ineffectiveness isn't going to be there. It was interesting. I talked about it a little bit on, on usual with, with Kyle, but and Dane Perry this week on his Substack was talking about that Jack Flaherty needs to be the one removed from the rotation, which is not something I would have ever thought of, but it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I mean, one, if anybody's going to probably play up in the bullpen, it might be Jack Flaherty. Um, but we have seen that he's just it's just, it's just, it's an extreme struggle that I it's very hard to imagine that he's going to be the pitcher that we hoped he would be even coming up even before 2019 um it, it's it's getting a little bit frustrating now you know he may come out tomorrow and throw seven scoreless innings i mean it's always possible but you know right now flaherty days are not the days you look forward to you know i was convinced that in his starting at chicago he was going to come out and just shut the door i thought mm-hmm. the team had started looking better i thought he was going to come out and just look really really good And no, he didn't. And the thing with him, and we've seen this his entire career, all it takes is a couple miscues and the body language changes. And suddenly it looks like he struggles that he he's, it's like he's frustrated with himself or frustrated with the team. And it's like, he lets his emotions get the best of him. Now I I love an emotional pitcher. Um, Max Scherzer is one of those guys that you don't want to face him. And when he's fired up, you know, he kind of uses like the Tom Brady, Michael Jordan approach. You look at him wrong. That's all he needs to go out there and just destroy you. And he wants to kill you three times. Mm-hmm. You know, I like guys with an edge Flaherty. Sometimes it seems he lets those emotions get the best of him and it affects his pitching in a negative way. And, you know, you mentioned the, the little, the little jab about not understanding pitching, <laughs> there's some maturity issues that are still there. I I think, you know, we saw examples, I think of leadership with him and the way he dealt with Contreras and the meeting with Wainwright and him wanting to catch for, or he wanted Contreras to catch for him again. But then you see the way he kind of treats the media and the way he fires off after, after games. And it just reeks of immaturity and a guy that needs to grow up. Now, 
I don't know what else going on. You know, some people suspect that there's still a shoulder injury going on that he's not fully mm-hmm. healed. And I will say, I think that it was unfair to him for people to put the 2019 expectations on him um, any year after that, especially after shoulder injury. I, you know, we're not going to see that picture again, but I do think he is capable of being much better than he is right now. And I don't know if it's because of an injury. I don't know if it's because of him having trouble handling his emotions, but I will say that the emotions are not helping. The body language is not helping. Um, You know, he's become a GIF for several reasons. We we see that famous eye roll that he did, which I know people find that funny, but that was kind of showing up a teammate in the same game. He kind of showed up his manager coming off the mound. Um, like I said, I like guys that are fiery and emotional. And I think sometimes people have taken unnecessary shots at him that weren't true, but physically and mentally and emotionally, he just does not seem to have it right now. And so when I see that he is pitching, I know that we're going to expect a very long game with lots of walks and it's going to be extremely frustrating to watch. And the bullpen should probably be getting ready in the fourth inning because it's going to be a long night. Yeah. Yeah, that's I do you think do you think there's any chance they try to flip him during the season? Like in some sort of deal. I, I don't see how it works, I guess, because if you're trading him to a contender, they're not gonna want him. And if you're trading him to a you know, a non contender, he's a free agent. So I don't see how that works, I guess. But it seems like more, it really does feel like he's a change of scenery kind of guy. Yeah, the return would be so low right now that mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any reason to do it. the The only time that the only chance I see that happening is if the Cardinals somehow start slipping and they're so far out of contention by the trade deadline. If he is starting to pitch better, like maybe he's put together three good starts, that maybe you can flip him for a prospect of some sort, mid level prospect, maybe. Mm-hmm. But right now, I just I think he probably has more value to the Cardinals than he does to anyone else. Um, in some ways, if, if the rest of the season goes like this, he may be an Alex Reyes type, a guy that next year gets a, a deal. Maybe he gets a one year deal. Maybe he gets I don't know, maybe he does get a two or three year deal because people need starting pitching. But people are going to see him as a, a renovation project of sorts. Um, and again, you know teams are going to give him physicals. They're going to see things in the shoulder that we don't know anything about. And and perhaps they're going to say, Oh yeah, that shoulder was damaged last year and it's healthy. Now he can be good. Or, or maybe they're going to say that shoulder's damaged. It's going to be damaged for the rest of his career. I don't know, but yeah, I think he's a Cardinal through the rest of this year. I would be very, very surprised if we see him in a Cardinal uniform next year. Yeah, I would think so. Cardinals one. Lost two of three to the Brewers last month and were swept by the Dodgers. Faced both those teams this week in a seven-game homestand. Given how things are going, how do you think they do? You know, I, I, I'm setting the bar low, but uh, it hasn't been very high this season. I, I would be happy with four and three with this homestand. Yeah. Um, you know, anything better than that's tremendous. And I think they're capable of doing better than that, but they're going to face some tough pitching. So I would be happy with four and three, especially knowing that they have 12 games after that, that I think they can really make a run. Uh, do you, do you think they're capable of doing more than that? Or especially at home? Am I, am I putting the bar too low on them? 
No, I think that's fair because you're playing two teams that, you know, earlier in the month, Milwaukee was kind of struggling a little bit. Of course, Pittsburgh was playing well. Um, but now Milwaukee has taken over the top spot. They've won the last three. They're plus 20 run differential. Um, the Dodgers got off to a little bit of a slow start as well, but now, you know, they're 26-15. They've got a plus 56 run differential, won five in a row. These are these are good teams coming in. And, and the Cardinals, you know, the, Boston's a good, fairly good team. Um, yeah, that's probably the best team they played out of the, you know, the Cubs and the Tigers later on. But um, I think four and three is about all you could reasonably hope for. I mean, you could hope for seven and oh, obviously, but I think that four and three, yeah, if they, if they can win, if they can win two games in each series, I think, because I think even, you know, if they swept the, and maybe if they swept the Brewers and just won one of four against the Dodgers, you'd take it. Um, but I think if you could do two and two, you feel, you know, you win the series against the Brewers and you split against the Dodgers. I think you'd feel pretty good, especially like you said, with the softer schedule coming up. Yeah. And I have noticed Vegas has started coming back around on the Cardinals. Like they were actually favored in some of these games against Boston, which is kind of surprising as bad as they've been and going on the road to mm-hmm. Boston, but they were favored. They're currently favored in their game tomorrow with, even with Peralta pitching, it's not by a lot, but they are favored. And even coming into today, now this isn't updated with the current win, but coming into today, baseball reference had bumped their playoff odds up to 43.6%, mm-hmm. which should be even a little bit higher, which I think we were at like 20% last week or something I around so. there. Yep. Yep. So it should be above 44% after tonight. I even heard Buster Olney say this week that he thinks the Cardinals will still win the Central, which was a little bit shocking to me. So, yeah, four and three, maybe that is setting the bar a little bit low for him. I think it's just based off kind of we've kind of been burned so much mm-hmm. this year. But, yeah, I would love to see them go on a streak and do any better. But if, if they go four and three, I'll be happy. It was kind of like going to the Boston series. I thought if they win this series, I will be happy. Hey, oh, yeah. I'll take a sweep. We've not seen that. That's that's a shocker. But yeah, um, four and three, and then just go start beating up on teams that should be bottom dwellers, please. Yeah. I think that I'm glad it didn't turn out this way for sure. But you might have even been able to say the way this series went, if they had just won today, but lost a couple of close games in the ninth inning, you know, you know, to, to the way they played you might've even taken some solace in this series, even if they had lost it to sweep. It is just remarkable, especially coming off winning two out of three against Chicago, which is always great. Doesn't matter who, what the records are. If you can win games in Wrigley field, you like that. So I guess apparently all you had to do was go to ballparks that are about as old as (laughs) the start that they had the worst start that they've made and somehow the 19 O's kind of start canceling each other out. Uh, and we uh, we see a little bit better, more like modern Cardinal baseball. <laughs> you know, the ballpark thing is a good thing to bring up, though, because I will give the pitcher some credit. Wrigley and Boston and, and Fenway back to back. That is very difficult on your pitchers. Uh, you're playing in a box where, you know, a pop-up can go out of the park or go against the green monster just because the wind's blowing a little bit. And so for them to only lose one game out of that. I mean, that is a very, very tough to play. Uh, Fenway 
it's like playing pinball with wherever the ball can go. And so credit to the pitching staff for winning these games for the bullpen, for shutting them down. And then also for the outfielders for playing a pretty good outfield. I mean, that can't be easy for a guy like Alec Burleson to go out there Mm -hmm. uh, and play. Um, You could even, you know, make the argument that Juan Yepes should have made his catch the other day or Tyler O'Neill makes it and that Boston doesn't even get in back in that game that the Cardinals yeah. ended up winning. So, uh, you know, credit to the pitching staff and the outfielders. It, it They're probably going to be very happy to get back to Bush where it plays a little more straight up and a little more of a pitcher's park. Yeah, they prob- probably will like that quite a bit. Of course, maybe don't get too comfortable because then they go to Cincinnati. Um, and that's... <laughs> That is not a pitcher's ballpark. So, um, but we'll see. That's another week off. The Cardinals do have this home stand. That's it's going to be pretty interesting. It feel, you know, looking at the schedule, and I, I haven't looked at it quite a bit, but, I just, but it feels a little bit almost like the minor league schedule now these days, right? That's a week at home and a week away. Um, I guess it's because of the the way that this unbalanced, this more balanced schedule or something happens. But it just kind of feels like they're never gone for terribly long, but they're never home for just this extended period of time either. Seven games feels like almost as long as it gets. Yeah. I, I haven't decided if I like this or not. I mean, you know, I love seeing the Cardinals play Boston. That's kind of a cool series, but it does feel like it's just, you know, at home on the road, at home on the road. You wonder if the players can't really get comfortable in their own beds and, and what's going on there. I mean, Nolan Arenado already missed a game because of a bad bed in Wrigley <laughs> or I guess in Chicago. Uh, so yeah, it is no one, no one he slept at the ballpark. So it's that, okay. that's true. <laughs> um, I do wonder cause you know, the Cardinals have not been home since this whole Contreras stuff happened. Mm-hmm. I, I've wondered if he will get a standing ovation when he comes to the plate. Although being a Monday night game when school's still in session, there may only be about 5,000 people at the park by the time he comes up for his first at bat. But I, I am still kind of curious to hear what the reception will be. I th- I think fans will be on their feet cheering for him when this comes, because I think the fans want him to know that they're behind him too. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Um, I, I would expect that, and I would hope that. And, you know, if he hits a home run, then that'll probably help as well. So oh, if he wants call, to, there is an yeah. absolute curtain call happening. Yes, <laughs> probably so. So, um, well, we'll look for that and hopefully we'll get something like that to, to enjoy. But until next week, when we break it all down again, I'm that is David and I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.